The following announcement has been paid for by Journey into Wrestling. Things seem to be changing around here, and I'm talking podcasts, brother. Journey into Comics Network and no JIW? Where's the wrestling? That's just it, bro. We're making a comeback. JIW has taken over. Butt stuff, podcastrophe, the poor rapport, all these new guys on the scene. We're about to show them what podcasting is all about, Chico. Why don't you tell them when they can hear us, Nate? Every other Wednesday, right here on the Journey into Wrestling Network. Anything less is just too civilized. Following the following journey into journey into comics 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 network 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 production production. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode thirty-eight of Poor Three Sixty. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I thank you for joining me. Now, if you've been paying attention to the last couple episodes, I took kind of a short hiatus. I recorded a couple episodes in advance, and then uh, took some time to kind of work a few things out. I didn't manage to get everything I wanted to accomplish, but I hope you enjoyed the content all the same. Now, when I left you guys last week, or the last episode you had, I was talking about this um, this online uh, government kind of country... Um, simulation game called nation states and i kind of want to um hopefully you enjoyed that i think it's kind of fun way to see how it evolves to the course of the of uh the next few episodes and um but so we left off with like five issues um so i thought i would go ahead and do those really quick and then we'll get into the big news of the day which since i've taken the highest there's this whole thing involving uh, a phone call and impeach all that so we'll get to that but i just want to get through this first get all that situated, see what the country becomes, and then talk about the country that really matters. So, let's jump right in. So, uh, up first we have ramping up the difficulty. Oh, hold on. Maybe... Alright, so ramping up the difficulty. Uh, Earlier this week you were supposed to meet with the first disabled team of explorers to conquer the icy slopes of Bigtopian Tundra. However, your office proved to be inaccessible to the adventurers and the meeting was cancelled. Disability awareness groups are outraged that those with the impairments can't access government buildings, many of which provide them to help and support they need. So, we have three options. We have, number one, we must put an end to the discrimination against people with disabilities, declares Francine Taylor. The spokesman of the awareness group All Access through a speech synthesizer. Many of us face great difficulty in climbing steps, reading text, or listening to auditory sources, or conveying messages. The government must improve the accessibility to the premises and information so that we are treated fairly and have the ability to contribute to society. Very fair point. Number two, it might sound nice to have more ramps and guide dogs, but the real problem is an infrastructure at society's treatment of the intellectually and physically disadvantaged, observes Condra Chow, concerned parent. If people have stopped open doors to help the disabled athletes up the steps, then we wouldn't need special adaptions to the buildings. Kindness and helpfulness should be taught at school with kids learning to assist those who need help and stop bullying them because they're different. That's the way to go forward. Also true. Three, hold on a minute. Making modifications to historic government buildings is cultural vandalism and awfully expensive. 
objects uh, Rochelle Iglesias, your rather obsessive minister of Portland and heritage. We can't destroy centuries worth of history and deface the, the structure with modern architecture just to improve accessibility. I sympathize with those people's plight, but our culture and history are too important to destroy. Uh, not really agreeing with you there. I'm going to go with two. I think it is, um, it has to be a cultural shift as opposed to, obviously all that will help, and I think those should go into place, but I do think, um, I think I'm going to go with number two. So, those are the headlines. Um, yeah, a lot of things went up. Um, some stuff went down. Could be worse. Alright, so now let's do uh, get the now VATS food for thought. After recent leaps and bounds in biomedical research, scientists have revealed VAT-grown tissue, provoking wild controversy over its possible medical and culinary uses. Alright. Ooh, got five options. Alright. One, there is absolutely nothing wrong uh, that has been done here, claims one of the researchers, Dr. Charlotte Vargas. Vat-grown cloned human tissue is extremely versatile when producing organs or transplantation, and knit my booties if it's not the taste the most nutritionally balanced thing around. Beats me why no one would be against it. Oh, I don't like that. It's shocking upon that we could ever consider adding vat-grown meat to the menu. What are descendant of a long line of devout vegetarians, but on the other hand, we've been waiting for this major medical dig for a long time. Imagine it. No more waiting list for transplants. There'd be no respect of the healthcare system. I just wish we'd try to line it eating this stuff. Agreed. By all means, legalize vat-grown meat. Um, a mastiff. Some people say that it's wrong to grow these creatures just to kill them, but that's ridiculous. It's no different than breeding cattle. What's wrong with making them for spare body parts? Um... One piece of meat have grown have been grown in a vat? No, it's disgusting. Besides, it'll raise the cost of my insurance. Um, number four, this is all abhorrent and aberrant. Declares uh, Sifo Rit Rifkin, the high hired. I don't know. It's a church official. You can't just create meat. It's against God's will. Yeah, done with that. Uh, number five, this guy has no sense of vision. Said Arnold Joseph, your minister of demographics. Why waste this invention on healthcare or cookery when so much more can be done? Made all the new people be grown in vats as these will be things fast. Yeah, no. I'm going with number two. Um, yeah, I don't think vat-grown meat should be a thing. Uh, let's see. I think that might have been the right choice. Yeah, obesity went down. That was only... So... Good stuff. Uh, moving on. I think we have three more issues. Uh, death penalty. This is a fun one. Following a tragic double murder, capital punishments have surged as an election issue. There now has to be, appears a real possibility that right-wing candidate Zanatos Batista, running on a do-the-crime-pay-the-penalty platform, will gain power, while societies in intelligentsia is outraged debate rages as to whether the government should intervene two choices this is a democracy remember rhetorically questions professor chris gray of the university of greater portland uh the means that if people want something that people get it i hate to say it but the name of political freedom we need to accept that our country will have the death penalty number two i'm sorry says rights unionist isabel mullins but this travesty cannot be allowed to pass the government needs to crack down on lunatic fringe groups in order to keep our great nation free of the death penalty then so be it we must ban the politics of hatred and fear. This is a tough one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 not really for the death penalty. 
I think, um, yeah, I, I can't endorse that. So, um, realized Portland was classified from a corporate bordello to a capitalist paradise. And Free Freedom fell from suburb to very good. All right, so that's good. Um, yeah, not too bad. All right, two more issues. Let's crack these out and then get to the real news. Uh, retail workers strike. Okay, the issue. Workers across the nation have gone on an indefinite strike over what they claim are substandard wages in the retail industry. We are the backbone of this country and we demand a fair wage rise, says union leader Yolanda Taki. I don't think a 20% increase over two years is too much to ask. Unless the government forces employers to give us our due, we'll shut the whole industry down. Let's see how well Portland's economy manages without any retail. Uh, number two, we pay our employees very generous wages, says employee representative Daisy Case. But should we consider that without us, they'd be out on the street. Here, that used to come back out on the street. Anyway, my point is, if you cave in and make our entire industry uncompetitive, you can't do that in the global marketplace. It'll hurt the whole country. The best solution to call these people would be to relax industrial laws and allow us to fire troublemakers on the spot. Both of these aren't great. I think um, 20% increase over two years is a little ridiculous. On their end, I see the point of making it more competitive. Um, relaxing industrial laws seems a little much. Um, I don't think the government should um, force employers, so it is capitalist, so I'm going to go with number two. Uh, the employers may fire workers without giving any reason. I uh, didn't want that to happen. Uh, the Portland Indian economy rose from strong to very strong, so the economy boomed. Good. Uh, all right. One more issue. Cloning research promises new breakthrough. Scientists use cloned human embryos for research are on the verge of a medical breakthrough. So it kind of ties into the first one. Uh, it's really very exciting, says lab head Don Cole. Until now, we've been we've kept very quiet to avoid being targeted by lunatic fringe groups. We, for some reason, think it's wrong to clone human embryos. It's really to promise anything, but we hope that one do will have genetic cures for a whole range of debilitating illnesses. I certainly hope the government will support our work. But two, well, if we have to be a part of the lunatic fringe group to object to this barbaric practice, I am a lunatic, says placard-waving protester Kellyanne Kasher. Of course, it would be nice to cure those unnamed diseases, but at what cost? They're messing with the sanctity of human life. It's wrong, and the lab should be shut down immediately. I disagree. I think, um, I think looking, um, I think using cloned embryos for research is, is fine. All right, except. So, research. Good stuff. Um, religiousness dropped 64.8%. Okay. That's all the issues. Let's see. Um, let's see how Portland has changed. Like I said, it's a capitalist paradise. The principality of Portland is a small genial nation marked for its irreverence towards religion. The hardworking population of 40 million Portlandians are either ruled by a sleek, efficient government or a conglomerate of multinational corporations. So we'll to tell which. The tiny government juggles the competition demands of education, welfare, and health care. Citizens play a flat income tax 7%. The very strong Portlandian economy, worth $3.07 trillion a year, is broadly diverse and led by the trout farming industry, with major contributions from tourism, gambling, and beef-based agriculture. The average income is $76,752, but there's a significant disparity between incomes, with the richest 10% of citizens earning $270,819 per year, while the poor average $15,732, a ratio of 
17.2 to 1. Replacement workers are grown in vats. Extremely, extreme political groups are outlawed. Employers may fine fire workers without giving any reason. And scientists regularly clone human beings for research purposes. Crime is moderate with the police for struggling against a lack of funding and a high mortality rate. Hormones actually animals the parrot, which soars majestically through the nation's many famously clear skies. Through the nation's famously clear skies. Not many. Um, Alright. That is that. And, well, let's get back to the real news. So, as you guys know, um, there's been, um, stemming out of a phone call that happened uh, earlier this summer, um, we are now in the middle of uh, an impeachment inquiry on President Donald Trump. So, let's do some catch-up here. I, I pulled six articles that kind of catch, that caught me up to speed, because if anything like me, when I kind of digest my news, I... Get it um, through Google News every morning, as well as people who share things on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other social media sites. So I see it there, and that usually leads me down a rabbit hole of finding more information. That's kind of how I found the ones I wanted to talk about today. So, let me order these right, just so I get to... Um, so, here's the first thing. This is what USA Data Article is saying... Um, I'd like you to do us a favor, uh, what Trump and Zelensky said in their July 25th phone call. The White House released a five-page summary on Wednesday of President Donald Trump's July 25th phone call with Ukraine President Vold, uh, Voldemir uh, Zelensky in between uh, words upon words of mutual praise at the beginning to answer to key questions House Democrats have been asking as they move forward with an impeachment inquiry. Did Trump uh, improperly pressure Zelensky to investigate his political rival Joe Biden and his son Hunter as Democrats contend, does the call summary show there is no quid pro quo, as Trump claims? Here's those important takeaways from the memo on Trump's conversation with Zelensky. It's not really a transcript. When Trump announced he would release details of the phone call, he promised a complete, fully classified, and unredacted transcript. It turns out that's not exactly the case. At the bottom of the first page of the document, a warning says the document is a memorandum of a telephone conversation rather than a verbatim transcript. Memos like these are written by note-taking staff while they listen on Trump's phone calls. It's normal for many officials to be on Trump's calls, according to the White House, including interpreters, aides, and, of course, note-takers. Uh, a number of factors can affect the accuracy of the record. The notice says, including signal interpretation, accents, and the quality of real-time interpretation. This also means the accuracy of the document cont uh, contents is subject to human error, make a lapse or incorrect transcription. At a few points, ellipses may indicate more words were spoken that did not make it into the document or that Trump merely trailed off. I'd like you to do us a favor, though. Democrats have honed in on one particular exchange in the summary to which Trump asked Zelensky for a favor. While thanking Trump for the United States' support of Ukraine and sanctions against Russia, Zelensky said, We are ready to continue to cooperate for the next step. Specifically, we are almost ready to buy more javelins uh, and to take missiles from the United States for defense purposes. Uh, then it says, I would also like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. Trump began his reply. We want to ask Lindsay to look into details about a company that investigated hacking of the Democratic National Committee prior to the 2016 election that was linked back to Russia. We're ready to open a new page on cooperation and relations between the United States and Ukraine, Zelensky said in his response. Democrats said the exchange indicates pressure by Trump. Trump and his allies urged there is no quid pro quo in the conversation. Um...
So Trump has confirmed that he delayed military aid from Ukraine over concerns. He said the United States was contributing too much in relation to other European countries. He denied that it was used as leverage for political purposes. He repeated dismay about Europe's aid to Ukraine in the call. I will say that we do a lot for Ukraine, much more than the European countries are doing, and they should be helping you more than they are, Trump told Zelensky according to the summary. I wouldn't say that it's reciprocal necessarily because things are happening that are not good. The United States has been very good to Ukraine. Very, very good is what he said. Um, it's not until page four that Trump and Zelensky made a reference to Biden by name. Trump brought up the business surrounding Ukrainian prosecutor General Viktor Shokin, who was looking into an energy company where Biden's son Hunter, Hunter Biden is his name, served on the board of directors. Joe Biden and European allies had been pushing Ukraine to uh, more to tackle corruption and pushed for Shokin's ouster, saying he was not doing enough to root out malfeasance. There's been no evidence Hunter Biden's relationship with the company influenced Joe Biden's actions with regard to Ukraine policy. The Ukrainian parliament eventually voted Shokin out. I heard you had a prosecutor who was very good and that he was shut down and that's really unfair, Trump said to Zelensky in the transcript summary. Another thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son. That Biden stopped the prosecution a lot of people want to find out about that, so whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great, Trump adds. Biden went around bragging that he had stopped the prosecution, so if you look into it, it sounds horrible to me. Zelensky said he is knowledgeable about the situation. He also said the next prosecutor general would be backed by him. They agreed that Trump's personal lawyer, Regional and Attorney General William Barr, should call Ukraine officials. Um, Your plan is much better than mine. Trump congrats Zelensky in the call for winning his presidential election, and Zelensky took the opportunity to flatter the U.S. president several times. On Zelensky's political win, uh, we worked a lot, but I would like to confess to you that I had an opportunity to learn from you. It was a great few of your skills and knowledge that we were able to use it as an example for our election. I think I should run more often so you can call me more often and we can talk over the phone more often, Zelensky said about Trump's congratulatory phone calls. On Trump's point that other countries are not sending as much aid to Ukraine, yes, you're absolutely right, not only 100%, but actually 1,000%. Uh, we can either take my plane and go to Ukraine, or we can take your plane, which is probably much better than mine, Zelensky said, of a potential Trump visit. What Trump thinks of all this, Trump maintains that the phone call was nothing, the way you had to build that built up, that call was going to be the call from hell, Trump said on Wednesday after the call summary was released. It turned out to be a nothing call. Later, during a joint appearance with Zelensky, Trump railed against House and Democrats for their push for impeachment, saying that the Speaker Nancy Pelosi has been swayed by the progressives in her party. Zelensky, too, backed up the Trumps, insisting that there was no pressure applied on the call, also that he wanted to stay out of the U.S. elections. I think you read everything Zelensky said. Nobody pushed me, he added. Uh, Trump tweeted on the 25th, Will the Democrats apologize for seeing what was said on the call about with the Ukrainian president? They should. A perfect call got them by surprise. So, that's kind of... And now we get into um, this Washington Post article about the impeachment inquiry. The reporting analysis to help you understand Congress's look into President Trump's request for help from the Ukrainian president and whistleblower report. So, um... Actually, maybe I should read um, this other one first. Okay, let me get this. Before I get into the impeachment inquiry, let me read this first other article from CNN. So, uh, President Donald Trump has made a bizarre uh, blizzard of claims about Ukraine. Many of them have been attacked on Democrats, and many of them have been incorrect. Uh, so, here's just the uh, fact checks on it. So, Hunter Biden investigation. So, Trump had repeatedly claimed that former Vice President Joe Biden had called for the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating his son. 
There's no evidence Hunter Biden was under ever under investigation. The investigation was into the business dealings of the owner of a Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma Holdings, where Hunter Biden sat on the board of directors. In addition, former Ukrainian deputy prosecutor and top anti-corruption activist have said the investigation was dormant at the time, and Shokin's successor, Yuriti Lysenko, has said in interviews that year that Hunter Biden didn't violate any Ukrainian laws. Okay. So Joe Biden's pressure on Ukraine. Trump has also claimed that Biden pressured Ukraine to take Chief Prosecutor Viktor Shokin off the case. Biden pressured Ukrainian leaders to fire Shokin, the Obama administration, U.S. allies, and Ukrainian anti-corruption act saw Shokin as unwilling to prosecute elite corruption, but there's no public evidence that Biden sought to get Shokin removed from any particular case. Joe Biden's boasting. So Trump claimed in his July phone call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky that Biden had boasted about having stopped the prosecution. Biden had boasted about getting Shokin fired, but he did not say he had stopped any prosecution. Shokin had been controversial precisely because he was unwilling to bring corruption prosecutions. Uh, Joe Biden's previous comments. So Trump said Joe Biden contradicted himself when he said in September that he had never spoken to his son Hunter about his son's overseas business dealings. Trump claimed Joe Biden had previously said the opposite. That is not true. Hunter Biden, however, did tell the New Yorker that there was one father-son conversation about his business dealings in Ukraine. Okay. Uh, the delay in aid to Ukraine. Before he began justifying his decision to delay military aid to Ukraine, Trump told reporters that there was no delay at all, an assertion obviously contradicted by the facts. Trump said... said Trump suggested on September 23rd that he froze the funds because he was worried about corruption and whether the country is honest. He supposedly said on September 24th that the funds were withheld, this time claiming he was waiting for Europe and other nations to spend their own money on Ukraine. Uh, Obama's aid to Ukraine. So Trump says that Barack Obama sent only pillows and sheets to Ukraine, not the lethal arms he had himself sent. That was hyperbole. While Trump is correct that Obama refused to provide lethal assistance, Obama did provide... Armored Humvees, drones, counter-mortar radar, night vision gear, and medical supplies. Uh, CrowdStrike. So in a July phone call with Zelensky, Trump made vague claims about CrowdStrike, the American cybersecurity company he had wrongly described as Ukrainian. In the server, these claims were confusing, but he, we tried to explain what he might be talking about. In short, Trump seemed to be alluding to a baseless conspiracy that Russia was not responsible for hacking Democratic National Committee computer servers during the 2016 election. CrowdStrike, hired by the DNC to investigate the hack, had said Russia was responsible, finding it later corroborated by special counsel Robert Mueller. Trump's personal lawyer Rudy Giuliani, uh, Trump's personal lawyer Rudy Giuliani has been among the people pushing a theory that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election through collusion with Democrats. The Democrats' letter to Ukraine. Trump claimed that a 2018 letter from three Democratic senators to Ukraine's prosecutor general uh, made a threat to withdraw U.S. citizens if Ukraine did not do what they wanted. The letter did not make a threat. It urged the prosecutor not to close investigations to former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort or stop cooperating with Mueller to avoid angering Trump, as the New York Times reported had happened. Uh, the Bidens in China. So Trump had claimed that Joe Biden and his son walked away with millions of dollars from Ukrainian or Ukraine and then millions of dollars from China. There's no basis for Trump's claim about Joe Biden, a company on whose board Hunter Biden sat, however, received a large investment of Chinese capital shortly after Hunter Biden visited the country with his father. And Hunter Biden later purchased an equity stake in the company. A lawyer for Hunter Biden said he has not received any return or compensation from his investment or board position. Okay, so that gives us some more information, some background, which we can use when we talk about this uh, impeachment inquiry. So, like I said, on September 24, 2018, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced the beginning of an official impeachment inquiry against President Trump. Only the fourth time Congress has taken up this type of inquiry into a president 
Calls for inquiry had grown after Trump acknowledged asking the Ukrainian president to investigate Joe Biden, a key political rival. The information is contained in a now-public whistleblower report that laid out the actions of Trump, his personal lawyer Rudolph Giuliani, who had been subpoenaed by three House committees and other officials of the United States and Ukraine. The report includes the allegation that White House officials used a classified computer system to hide documents that could be politically damaging, including a transcript of a call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, that the, whistlebl- well, uh, that the whistleblower complaint was about Trump's communications with a foreign leader was first reported by the Post. So the Post also revealed that Trump told two senior Russian officials in a 2017 Oval Office meeting that he was unconcerned about Moscow's interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election and that Trump raised questions about Biden's son with an executive who served as his intermediary on trade talks with Beijing. House Democrats plan to ramp up their impeachment efforts in coming weeks and have subpoenaed Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Members of the House Intelligence Committee have pledged to stay in Washington to work through Congress's scheduled recess. House Democratic leaders are eyeing a rapid investigation wrap-up before the holiday season. They'll keep a focus on the accusation about Trump's request to the Ukrainian president. However, if the House impeaches Trump, the Senate may be able to just not hold a trial, which we'll talk about later. Um... Impeachment means that Congress thinks the president is longer fit to serve and should be removed from office. It doesn't actually remove him from office. The House can vote to impeach the president, and the Senate holds a trial to determine if he should be removed. That's how the impeachment process works. So, um, we might talk about... So, before we move out of the, um, the impeachment, let's just quickly talk about the impeachment inquiry. So... Impeachment means that the con- that uh, president is longer fit to serve and should be removed from office. So, who can impeach the president? Congress, specifically the House of Representatives, under the framework of the Constitution, the House can vote to impeach a president for high crimes and misdemeanors. It's up to the House to decide what that means. But impeaching the president is not the same as removing the president from office. For that, Senate holds a trial presiding over by the Chief Justice of the United States. So wait, is the impeachment happening? No, there's not impeachment inquiry happening. If lawmakers decide there's enough evidence to consider writing up articles of impeachment, then they will. At which point impeachment will be underway. The difference may sound semantic, but it's important to note that the majority of the House Democrats support an impeachment inquiry. We don't know how many would actually vote to impeach. So far, only 27 of public said they would. They wanted him impeached. So, what is an impeachment inquiry? In the first steps in the impeachment process, it means lawmakers will investigate what, if any, high crimes and misdemeanors Trump may have committed. So, in the process behind this, Pelosi said that when she announced the inquiry, that the six key committees that are already investigating the president will continue to investigate Trump under the umbrella of the impeachment inquiry. If the investigation includes that there are reasons for impeachment, the House Judiciary Committee will drop articles of impeachment, the Judiciary Committee, and then the full House will vote on it. Here's how Jim... Here's how the Judiciary Committee Chairman Gerard Nadler summed up the process in August. When he decided his committee was launching an impeachment inquiry, we are investigating all evidence, gathering the evidence, and we will, at the conclusion of this, hopefully by the end of next year, end of this year, sorry, vote to vote articles of impeachment to the House floor. Or we won't. That's a decision that we'll have to make, but that's exactly the process we're in right now. So the House was already in an impeachment inquiry. Yes, well, kind of. It depends on whom you ask. Now this committee was, has charge over impeachment. And he surprised some of his members this summer when he publicly said that they've started an inquiry. Pelosi was not supportive of this, and as recently as mid-September would say, not say impeachment inquiry publicly. But the allegations facing Trump on Ukraine changed her mind. So what does this whistleblower complaint have to do with impeachment? So 
This is of the complaint that Trump abused his power to help his re-election is what motivated Pelosi and other top Democrats to embrace an impeachment inquiry after months of resisting it. When Pelosi endorsed an impeachment inquiry on Tuesday, Congress had not seen the full complaint, but she pointed that to the assertion by the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community that the complaint is credible and urgent. She also indicated that the Trump administration's decision not to immediately share the complaint with Congress was reason enough to consider impeachment. So the actions of the Trump presidency revealed a dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office. Betrayal of our nation, national security and betrayal of the integrity of our elections, she said on Tuesday. So what does the reader of Trump's call with the, impeachment, with the Ukrainian president have to do with the impeachment? It means Democrats are moving forward with their impeachment inquiry with conviction, but it does not mean Trump is going to be removed from office. The Washington Post Robert Coaster reports that privately some Senate Republicans are mystified that Trump released the rough transcript at all because it does not exonerate the president. Still, Republicans have publicly stood by Trump this long over several controversies, so why abandon him now? So, how many Democrats support an impeachment? So, at least 224 House Democrats do, which is more than two-thirds of all House Democrats. The number is potentially significant because it takes 218 votes in the House to pass something. Not all of those 200-plus Democrats would vote for impeachment, though. It depends on what evidence the inquiry turns up. Still, the number in favor of an impeachment inquiry has grown steadily since April when the special counsel Robert Mueller released his redacted report on Russian election interference and Trump. This has been despite Pelosi's effort to tamp down on impeachment because she feared it could, would cost vulnerable Democrats their seats and maybe even cost the party the White House. Since Congress came back from the recess in September, the number of House Democrats who support an inquiry has ticked up by the week, sometimes by the day and with the whistleblower allegations by the hour. On the day before and on the day of Pelosi's embrace of it, on Tuesday, 57 House Democrats on the fence came out in support of an impeachment inquiry into Trump. So how long does this process take? So it can be as long or short as the House wants. Um, if passed as precedent, this can be wrapped up in four months, but Democrats probably are on a tight timeline. Pelosi wants an act while there's momentum. Politically, it could be much more difficult to make their case that impeachment is necessary if it's 2020 and hearing an election which Trump could get thrown off out of office anyway, which makes sense. Now, um, so what does the Constitution say about impeachment? In, the, in its Article 2 of the Constitution, which sets up the presidency and executive branch, but also to lay a way out to remove the president, the key clause is the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for a and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. High crimes and misdemeanors is the phrase you will hear involved, invoked frequently as the bar lawmakers are using to determine whether an action is impeachable. It is generally understood to mean a violation of oath of office, not necessarily a crime in the traditional sense of breaking the law. That means there doesn't have to be a clear evidence of a crime for Congress to impeach the president. Which presidents have been impeached? Obviously we know this, so two presidents in American history have been impeached. Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, and Richard Nixon resigned under the threat of impeachment. None actually have been has been removed from office. So, will the Senate remove Trump from office? As it stands now, probably not. There's no evidence the Republican-controlled Senate wants to confront Trump in such a way. In fact, on Monday, some Republicans were trying to defend Trump. It's up to House Democrats to uncover something that could change Republicans' minds. But the Senate will have to hold a trial and vote on whether to acquit or convict Trump. Uh, I would have no choice but to take it up, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told CNBC on Monday, which is earlier today as I'm recording this. So, as the Ukrainian allegations were coming to light, a 
Quinnipiac University poll showed that the majority of Americans, 57%, didn't support impeachment, which is not unsurprising. Um, a, diff a different poll published on Sunday after a redacted version of the whistleblower complaint was publicly released found that more than half Americans approved the fact that Congress's open impeachment inquiry into Trump, which is interesting. So 57% don't think um, Trump should be impeached, but 55 approved the fact that they're opening impeachment inquiry. We're probably just trying to get more information. So Trump has said in a tweet about the impeachment inquiries that there's no president in the history of our country who has been treated so badly as I have. The Democrats are frozen with hatred and fear. They're getting nothing done. This should never be allowed to happen to another president. Witch hunt. Same old, same old. Also, it's always that he's the most judged president has always seemed ridiculous to me. In the 45 presidents we've had at this point, yeah, his his presidency was the worst. He was the one, he's the one who's being treated so badly that it's just obnoxious. Um, so the White House's bureau chief, uh, Philip Rucker, described it. Sorry, the Post, the Washington Post White House bureau chief. Trump's sense of victimhood is on full display of, as the impeachment inquiry intensifies. As Trump tells me, he's a hardworking, audible president whose conduct has been perfect, but who is being harassed and tormented by do-nothing Democrat savages. In a corrupt intelligence community resolved to perpetuate a hoax, defraud the public, and ultimately undo the 2016 election. Could Trump run in 2020 even if he's impeached? If he's impeached by the House, yes. If he's removed from office, well, that's never happened before, so we probably would all be armchair interpreting the Constitution to figure that one out. Which is interesting, because any president who's only served one term can run for re-election. So, if he did, this is actually an interesting point. So, if he did get ousted in 2020, he could still decide, I'm running again. And if enough people elect him, he'd be president again. And then, that's it. He was impeached, back in office. But, they'd probably try and stop that somehow. That's definitely interesting. This will be a lot of... Uh, constitutional uh, scholars would have to kind of just bring that up. So, back into it. So, the primary documents is back in the previous article. The rough transcript of Trump's phone call with Zelensky on July 25th was released on September 25th, so just a few months after that. It's based on voice-activated software. The same day it was released, Trump held a news conference at the UN General Assembly with Zelensky. Uh, the whistleblower complaint was made public on September 26th. Um, so, let's see. Uh, Trump's reaction. So Trump's response to the unidentified whistleblower and impeachment proceedings was familiar. A scorched approach of attacking the whistleblower. Democrats in the media. Trump called the whistleblower almost a spy. The sentencing to seize a questionable recording has also been on display. The White House has taken extraordinary steps for the past two years to block details of his calls with foreign leaders from becoming public. So Trump appears to be counting on adding to the, to the confusion around this complex story, offering a fog of claims and allegations to make it appear Biden has done something wrong. There is no evidence of wrongdoing having to do with either Biden or, or his son Hunter. Biden encouraged Ukraine to fire a top prosecutor who was widely regarded as a failure. The president also gotten four Pinocchios for claims about Hunter Biden's China dealings. Trump has also been misleading about his own dealings with Ukraine as to why aid was halted. So there's just a lot going on right now. So, and we talked about this earlier and I'll kind of elaborate on this more because I talked about it in a previous article. Um... When I talked about how Mitch McConnell, as the leader of the Senate, because it's a Republican-controlled Senate, would have no choice but to take up impeachment. Um, so, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said on Monday that he would have no choice but to take up impeachment proceedings if a majority of the House of Representatives approved articles of impeachment. During an interview with CNBC, McConnell made it clear that under the rules, the Senate cannot ignore a House vote to impeach President Donald Trump. 
I would have no choice but to take it up, McConnell said. How long you're on it is a whole different matter, but I would have no choice but to take it up based on a Senate's rule on impeachment. Even though that it would take 67 votes to change the current Senate rule for impeachment. McConnell's remarks come after Nancy Pelosi last week endorsed formal impeachment proceedings against Trump. The House impeachment effort gained new momentum after Trump calls uh, Trump's calls pressure the Ukrainian president to investigate former Vice President and 2020 hopeful Joe Biden and his family came to light. McConnell also said previously in an interview in March that the Senate would have no choice but to hold a trial if the House voted to impeach Trump. McConnell's already blaming the Demo- House Democrats and the Senate rules for forcing him to arrange for a trial if the president is impeached, said Michael Gerhardt, a constitutional law professor at the University of North Carolina School of Law. If his base attacks him, he can shrug his shoulders and say the Democrats and the rules forced me to hold a trial. It makes sense. It's not like something he would do. So, where does that leave us? So, we talked about this, the whole thing with this whistleblower. So, Donald Trump actually came out, um, I believe earlier today, and said, uh, we're trying to find out the identity of the whistleblower who made the Ukraine complaint. So, uh, he said earlier on Monday that he was trying to learn the identity of the whistleblower, um, and co- a comment that some critics regard as a presidential threat against the former. We're trying to find out a- about a whistleblower, Trump told reporters after an Oval Office swearing-in ceremony for new Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia. Uh, Trump all- again attacked Rep. Adam Schiff, uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, accusing him of making up words about his phone call with the President of Ukraine. But Trump did not again accuse Schiff of treason, as he did earlier in the day. Also not surprising, given the president we have. Trump spoke Andrew but. Kaj, the attorney of the un- for the unidentified whistleblower, tweeted that his client is entitled to uh, anonymity. Law and policy support this, and the individual is not to be retaliated against. Doing so is a ve- violation of federal law, which it is. Producing Trump's comments, as well as repeated attacks on the whistleblower's motives, amount to a threat of reprisal against someone seeking to expose government wrongdoing. We have a centuries-old bipartisan consensus that those with evidence of wrongdoing should be encouraged to step forward, not intimidated from doing so, said John Kostyak, executive director of the National Whistleblower Center, a nonprofit group that promotes whistleblower protection laws. Uh, Kostyak urged lawmakers from both parties to affirm that the whistleblower deserves the highest level of protection from retaliation, including the ability to remain, maintain anonymity. In his brief Oval Office comments, Trump claimed his accuser Miss represented his tele- July 25th telephone conversation with the President of Ukraine. Should other lawmakers said the transcript released by the White House backs the whistleblower's story. Trump pressured Ukraine to investigate his political rival, Biden, who is seeking next year's Democratic nomination for president. The transcript shows Trump repeatedly mentioning aid to Ukraine in close proximity to his request that Ukraine investigate Biden and his son, Hunter, who had business interest in the country. Trump again called the conversation perfect and said... He only wanted Ukraine to look into what he called corruption. He claimed that Ukraine sought to interfere with the 2016 presidential election in 2016 against us. The intelligence community has repeatedly debunked that allegation. Trump commented as he opened another week of impeachment turmoil by attacking his accusers. In a series of late-night tweets on Sunday and early morning uh, Monday, Trump raised the specter of civil war, accusing one key investigator of treason... So some of his own aides may be spying on him and accuse the Democrats of trying to destabilize the country a year ahead of his 2020 re-election. They're lying and cheating like never before in our country's history in order to destabilize the United States of America and its upcoming 2020 election, Trump said in one tweet. Monday morning, Trump repeated his claim about Schiff in a new tweet 
and said, arrest for treason. The angry tweet set the stage for another week of political and legal battles as House Democrats investigate allegations that Trump tried to coerce the president of Ukraine into investigating Biden, essentially inject a foreign country into the 2020 presidential election. We had no choice but to move forward with an impeachment inquiry, Schiff tweeted Sunday, and our focus will be on the president's fundamental breach of his oath of office. He added, coercing a foreign nation to interfere in our election is never okay, no matter what the president and his defenders say. Which I agree. And if you note, he did make some Civil War comments. So, and this is actually something I found interesting as well, was that Trump's Civil War quote tweet is actually grounds for impeachment, says a Harvard law professor. So, um, in his long string of tweets, um, he quoted a longtime evangelical pastor who warned of a civil war if Democrats seriously pursue removing him from office, and that could actually be grounds for impeachment itself, one Harvard law professor said. So if the Democrats are successful in removing the president from office, which they will never be, it will cause a civil war-like fraction in this nation from which our country will never heal, Trump tweeted on Sunday night. This tweet was a quote from Robert Jeffress, a Southern Baptist pastor who gave the comment during an appearance on Fox and Friends weekend. Trump added his own parenthetical asides to Jeffress' quote, in which the president asserted that Congress won't be successful in their impeachment efforts. The president's tweet was immediately met with backlash, and Harvard Law Professor John Coates argued that the social media post itself is an independent basis for lawmakers to remove him from office. The tweet is itself an independent basis for impeachment, a sitting president threatening civil war if Congress exercises its constitutionally authorized power. Coates wrote on Twitter on Monday. Uh, the House of Representatives officially launched an impeachment inquiry last week. Um, amid reports that Trump tried to press Ukraine to investigate former President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. The communication between Trump and Ukraine's and President Volodymyr Zelensky was first revealed in a whistleblower complaint to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community. The complaint detailed concerns that Trump was using his power of using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the twenty twenty election. The whistleblower also implicated Trump's personal attorney Rudy Giuliani and Attorney General William Barr in the Ukraine debacle. Julian describes the central figure in the situation. Since House Speaker Nate Pelosi announced the inquiry, it's been reported that several news outlets that at least 218 lawmakers in the House, the exact number of votes needed to impeach Trump in the chamber, support moving forward with impeachment. At least 217 Democrats and Independent Representative J Justin Amash have favored the inquiry. Democrats say that they intend to move quickly on impeachment, but it's so far only have opened an inquiry to the matter. The House will decide after the investigation whether to actually impeach the president, if the chamber votes for impeachment, the Republican-controlled Senate would then decide whether to remove Trump from office or exonerate him. And as we've talked about previously, uh, Mitch McConnell said they will have to hold, uh, do, they'll have to put him on trial for that. So historian Kevin Cruz slammed Trump's for suggesting in his Civil War tweet that only Democrats are responsible for impeachment. Cruz, a Princeton University professor, noted that in order to successfully remove the president, there needs to be a significant amount of Republicans backing impeachment. Trump only can, be, can only be removed through impeachment if two-thirds of the Senate vote to remove him. Do that, 20 Republicans would need to join 45 Democrats and two independents. Removal would be bipartisan, framing that some kind of civil war isn't just dangerous, it's dumb. And that's how I feel about all of this. It's dumb. And hopefully it amounts to something. Like, it's not dumb, in the fact, that all of this is for naught. But it's really interesting. People are seeing this as an attack, people are seeing this as exactly what they need but people have been saying this since we were dealing with the Mueller report and the Mueller report kind of amounted to nothing it put in people's head but people are calling that this is exactly what we need to get Trump out of office is that once the Mueller report comes out he's done but it came out 
six months ago, maybe around six months ago now, and that's really amounted to nothing. We're now officially in October, and yeah, the Mueller report's not even talked about anymore. Now it's all about this Ukraine call and the impeachment for inquiry. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I know this could just be long drawn out. It pulls um, Joe Biden and it pulls Donald Trump in and it pulls some other of his team in there and honestly ends up knocking both those guys out of the running for the 2020 election. More power to us because then it would be Pence would get sworn. If Trump got impeached and Biden got uh, kind of booted out of the running then we'd have like Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren or whoever the f- new front runner would be so I think last I checked Biden is still the front runner um, versus Pence because Pence would then finish the remainder of Trump's term and then most likely would just fill the shoes to run uh, in 2020 there might likely be some other Republicans that come out of the woodwork in time for the primaries but who's to say that it all depends on how fast this happens this could not be wrapped up until next spring and I know they'll probably want to get that resolved before the convention because in November 2020 is when they're going to try and elect a new president so or reelect the this the one they currently have so we'll see what comes of it I'm definitely going to see how the rest of this week it seems like things are quickly getting heated and Trump is getting more testy so we'll see what comes the rest of this week so I'll definitely be revisiting that on uh, next week's show but then that'll do it for where we're at now um I hope you're enjoying the little side thing I'm doing with this nation. I think it's kind of funny to run your own country and see what we're doing with it. But it's a nice break to kind of mess with your own country, make your own decisions in a world where we feel like we don't have a lot of decisions we can make ourselves. But that will do it for Poor360 this week. I am Andrew Poor. You guys have a great week. You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitch Radio, Spotify, and many others.